Police department, that's you they're attacking. You understand what I'm saying? When they attack the armed forces, that's you uh, that they're attacking. And so what they're trying to do is get people to just give up on their watch. You see what I'm saying? Leave the place unprotected. Because the devil would like that, then he can come in and do anything. You think he's doing bad now, he can do anything then if our watchmen go off their watch. So part of what we want to do is pray for our natural watchmen just to stay faithful for God to encourage them, raise up people who will encourage them so that they can continue to be faithful to what they're called to do as well. So praise God. Amen. So we're going to get started. Amen. With our uh, amen, our morning session. Hope you have your Amos Paradigm books. If you don't have one, we do have some that you can purchase if you want to get another one. I think these are good. If you know people who are looking for an encouraging word, uh, for this time that they're in, this is a good book to sow to somebody uh, because <clears throat> I've sown several of them and I have not found one person that is not encouraged by what they read. Amen. And so it's a very, very encouraging seed to sow if you want to encourage people uh, who are looking for the move of God. You know, really are looking for uh, for Jesus to do something and they want to be a part of it. Uh, so it's and this will stir people up who don't know if they want to be a part of it or not. You know, it'll stir them up to want to do that. So so we're going to talk today about <clears throat> uh, we're in chapter three. It starts on page thirty one and it's the season of exceeded expectations. And it is so important that we, what he calls, get your expectors out. And, and uh, he's not the first one to say that. Um, Brother uh, Oral Roberts used to say that. Get your expector out. You know, start expecting good things from God. Uh, you, your faith in God should always be evident. You should never put your faith gun back in the holster. Amen. Just keep it out and keep it cocked and ready to fire. Amen. I know many times we put our our faith expector back in the holster uh, because we're afraid of what might come to us. Got me? I'm going to give you a good example. Um, If you're looking for a job, you're out of work and you've had a negative experience on the last job. Your faith expector might be in the holster until you get desperate. Y'all feel me? And this is typically what we do. This is typical. If you say, for instance, you're looking for um, uh, a relationship to get better. And your last interaction with that person is wasn't pleasant. You just put it right back in the holster. You don't want to, you don't like them now. So faith, really, you have to be careful with your faith that it doesn't get tied up in your emotions. Amen. You can't get it wound up in temporary, temporal, because faith is eternal. Excuse me. It is an eternal substance. Excuse me. And it should be respected as such. You don't put faith in the same bucket as you put relationships, friendships, like or don't like. Faith has nothing whatsoever to do with that. And it should not be, you shouldn't engage in faith based on how you feel about anything. 
or anybody. It's the same thing as if somebody asks you for prayer. You pray for people because they ask you to. If somebody comes to you asking for prayer, they don't remember that they cussed you out the last time they saw you. And you shouldn't remember it either. In fact, you should have forgiven and forgotten a long time ago. Amen. So your faith expector should be out and drawn at all times and ready to fire at what you desire. Amen. Sometimes that's that's why a lot of times you don't see people get interested in something until they're desperate. They're not ready to their confession totally changes. They have a lot of complaint about something. They have a lot of negative comment to make about certain things because they have allowed emotion to get in the way of their relationship with God and that he wants to bring them good things by faith. So it's typical to, to, for people to live out of the emotional aspect of life only or primarily even when they're born again, spirit filled and can live the life of faith. And easily live the life of faith. I was thinking about how faithful God is in certain areas. You all know my, my well, you may or may not know. I don't care if you know or not, I'm going to tell you. So <laughs> you get braced. But <laughs> I, I, all my adult life, I've prayed when I found out God had a scripture that said he will renew your youth every day. I prayed that and stood on it. I said, God, don't let me get old. Don't let me get wrinkled. You know, don't let me get my uh, part of our ancestry, you know, is Cherokee Indian, and and that skin tends to get a little weather beaten, looking like that, and all that. So I said, nope, nope. <laughs> we ain't having that, you know. So I've stood on that, and God knows it, and He'll honor it. And so recently, uh, you all know the story when I went to update my. Facebook, my profile picture and all that kind of stuff, I had people telling me, well, you look younger on this one than you did on the other one. That was taken 20 years ago. That's just God being faithful to his word. And so I, when I had that photo taken, you won't believe the bag of cosmetics and hemorrhoid preparation. Let's see, everybody got scared now. So that's an old model trick. You stick that under your eyes if you have bags and it shrinks them up and you look brand new. And I'll put it anywhere I need to put it in my, in my holster. So it was really funny because I got lost on the way there. My hair got wet. I looked like something the cat dragged did, you know, like from a dog fight. And so, uh, but God was with me. He helped me. And I know he has a sense of humor with me in certain things, and this is one of them. And so, uh, you know, they were, I was talking to the photographer, and I said, I said, you know, you did such a wonderful job with the girls. He took some pictures of Rachel and, and uh, Jasmine and Bibi. I said, oh, those pictures are wonderful. I said, you know, I know you got it in it. Let's get a good money shot. We can do this. Yeah. You say money shot to a photographer, they get busy. Because they know they don't get paid unless they can turn in what they call a shot you can make money off of. (laughs) My little model devil's coming out and I'm pulling for myself. Oh, let's get this youth. So anyway, it turned out great. And I thought to myself, when we went to do the book signing, I said, I need some pictures. And I kind of looked, tried to look at Chanel and see if she had a better camera on her phone. (laughs) Did you pay more for your phone than I did? So... 
I'm sitting there, and this guy, the author, sitting next to me at the table is a bartender. And he's written a book about drinks. I said, well, this is interesting. I said, a preacher and a drunk sitting next to each other. Now, what are we going to do? This guy came up to him and said, I'm ready for your pictures now. He's a professional photographer. He's taking this guy's photos. He's a friend of his. And he looks at me. He said, can I take your pictures? I said, oh, Jesus, you're so sweet to me. Jesus, you're so sweet to me. And we had a good laugh with God all over again. <laughs> so he's going to work me for a while on this, this thing. But, you know, it's just, it just shows you how simple faith works. Even in the frivolous things of life. I guess the Lord said, this, this woman will have a fit if I don't help her out. I don't want to see what she's going to be doing after that. But it's just, it is just that simple. See, if we can keep it on the level of simplicity, we don't complicate matters. But I'm telling you, one of the primary reasons we don't receive is we put our expector away. And you can never afford to put it away. You cannot afford to put it away. You can't afford to get mad at your last boss and go around with an attitude for three three months because in that three month time you got to pull that expector out for another job somewhere. So it's best if you have to part company with somebody, part company, but forgive and allow yourself to understand that I'm not going to cheat myself with an attitude out of my next opportunity because I put that away because my last experience with it wasn't very pleasant. Huh? If I had to go to five photographers, I'd have, I'm still expecting. You understand? What I'm One of y'all going to get the money shot. You understand what I'm saying? I wasn't nobody getting paid. I get paid from heaven. You ain't getting nothing. You understand what I'm saying? This is a must do. We must accomplish this. Like your daily bread. Like your whatever it is. It's all extremely important that it be accomplished in your life. You must keep... What they call the switch of faith turned on. You must keep expecting God to do good things. You must keep expecting his word to come to pass. I don't care who you're praying for, what you're praying for, who it involves, who's mad at who, who don't like who. you got to keep expecting. And not put it out because of some goofy attitude. Because attitudes change. I remember my, my parents would, you know, if, if children would, their kids would start to argue with one another. You know, my parents never f- fell out with the parents unless it was real bad. And I heard my mother say one time, she said, oh, you kids, you'll be playing in the next half hour or so. And I'm mad at her for no reason. You understand what I'm saying? So she all y'all get out of here and go play again. You understand what I'm saying? And that's just the way emotions are. One minute you're in favor of something, the next minute you hate it to death. But always stay in faith. Get yourself out of your mood and stay in faith. Walk in the spirit, the Bible says. When you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Your flesh craves to be mad at somebody and point the finger at somebody. Your flesh craves to be disappointed at something. Your flesh craves to to want to just cancel something out because you've had enough of it. Your flesh is dying to do that. 
And don't think it's not. Just because you ain't heard from it a little bit recently, don't mean it ain't still around craving to do its thing. And so we have to be careful about this, especially now that God wants to do so much for us. There's a lot riding on our staying diligent to what God has called us to do. A lot riding on it. It's your spiritual future. It's your natural future. It's your all kind of future. Learn how to quit being so mad at yourself all the time because you don't do everything right. Huh? Most of us aren't trying to do everything right and then get mad at ourselves. Let the devil feed your brain. You mad at yourself because you messed that up. <laughs> I've been around most of us quite a while and I would say we all have our turn to messing stuff up. Pretty good if you let us. Huh? If we didn't pray for each other and help each other, we'd all be a hot mess. And so let's remember, amen, let us remember that we cannot afford certain things. They're extremely expensive. It's very expensive to keep yourself on the throne. That's all it is. It's just old stinking pride. And the devil make you one minute, the devil feeds you some nonsense that tells you that you're worth all this and you're this and you're that. And the next thing he tells you ain't worth nothing. So you can't trust him to tell you the truth. So quit listening to him. Amen. And go get yourself in your word. <laughs> Always remind yourself what season you're in. Uh, remind yourself. Amos 9.13, I sign that on everything when I see somebody with a praise report. Oh, praise God. Amos 9.13, blessing in the house. You know, that kind of thing. It reminds me to remind myself to expect good things from God. Amen. So on page 31, he says, through the prophet Amos, God verified to his people. Verified. When you have a prophecy... That's a verification of God's will. You know, I, you know, people get to saying crazy things about it. it's just a con- it's just a- oh, thank you for the confirmation. You know, you ain't heard that before, you liar. What you got is a witness in your spirit that that was God talking to you. You don't know the difference between a witness and a confirmation. Don't get me talking about Christian ignorance and. Religion and how we just keep popping out words out our mouth and have no idea what they mean. But what you felt was a witness in your spirit that that was God talking to you. The word is yet to be confirmed. It's confirmed with signs following. When it shows up, everybody will know it's God. So he verified to his people that without delay there would be a reaping of an unbounded harvest Amos further prophesied that an abundant yield of grapes that would be like river wine flowing from the mountains, etc., would be coming. Who would normally expect such things? After years of drought and depression, Israel had come to expect very little. So this is the warning. Get yourself out of this mindset of expecting very little. Huh? Get yourself out of the mindset of expecting very little. In the last three weeks, out of nowhere, God blessed me with $2,500. Amen. 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 You know why? I made up my mind I was going to expect, no matter how I felt, 
I was going to expect no matter what was happening to me personally in my life. I was going to expect anyhow. Just expect anyhow. And so as God begins to show me how valid this is, I'm reminding myself continually to continue to expect. Huh? Don't expect, get something, run off, tell everybody, and get excited and forget to expect. <laughs> the purpose of the confirmed word is to help you to expect to receive more. Huh? How big is your garage? Go buy a bigger one. You got me? Continue to expect. You never have too much. You never have enough. Says an epidemic of global proportions exists today. It transcends boundaries, cultures, and language. It's an epidemic of pessimism and dead expectations. Now let me tell you how we got into that pickle. Through the, the prosperity teaching. You got me? Because it's left everybody flat, discouraged. People don't say it, but they have left churches wholesale because there's nothing going on there but the rent now. So now they got to pay the rent on a huge building and they've gotten discouraged because they haven't seen the result that everybody told them they were going to receive. And I don't blame them because if you're in faith, your faith does not depend upon a certain length of time. It depends on you continuing in faith and, under, and not being moved by people who say, send this and God is going to do this. And you're expecting it in a short span of time when it doesn't show up. And you're mad at the preacher. You're mad at God. You know, you, you initially went to church because you went, God needed help. And when you got there, they started telling you about getting rich. And they had no power to make you rich. Huh? And very little power to help you, to be honest with you. Got me? A pep talk is not the same thing as the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the laying on of hands. Amen? It's totally different. Totally different. If you don't have an altar call and somebody can pray for you and minister to you, then you find some place that does. Huh? We used to have that in women's meetings. We were nobody was there was a professional minister, but we knew the power of prayer and the laying on of hands, and and that's how you took care of one another. You know, somebody's kid got healed, somebody got healed, somebody's child, some God brought somebody a paycheck where they didn't have a paycheck before. I remember my first Spearfield Bible study. Every week they got answers to prayer. I mean, it didn't fail. Somebody would come in there with a problem. This week, next week, it was taken care of. God was faithful to take care of these things. Why? Because we ministered to people. We didn't indoctrinate them. You got got me? There's a difference. And so it's dead expectations because that's a dead message. If it was a message that had life on it, the people would be expecting things. Life is what you need right now. Huh? It's not something to tuck away in case you need it sometimes. Everybody that walks out of here this week is going to have a need that a word from God can help them with. And so the word of life is there. How do you think the early church survived and did what they did and kept going? Those people faced uh, 
being thrown to lions. They face being uh, cut in pieces. They face every horrendous uh, cruelty and brutality known to man. But they kept serving God. They kept because that word had life on them that they needed to face that week. They needed a word from God that, that would let them know that they had divine protection. They needed a word that would let them know it wasn't their time to die, that they were going to live. The same thing exists today. We just don't think we need the word of life that much. We've been, I think, lulled, doped up into a false sense of security in the American church. And Western churches, period. You know, we point the finger at Europe because they're so far away from God, but we're right behind them. Huh? Right behind them. People can't keep people in their churches anymore. Why? There's not enough life there to keep them. Huh? What we call life is just emotion. Musical emotion, most of it. Huh? And people run from place to place because they're still looking for something that they don't find anywhere. Huh? That's all they do. Somebody's thirsty. When If you don't give them water, they're still thirsty. And they'll run to another watering hole because they're looking for something to drink. And so that's what we have. And he says it's an pessimism and dead expectations. Far too many people are suffering from an expired expector. As a result, many have more faith in failure. Fail, And that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be among God's people. That shouldn't be. I mean, I'm telling you, in a little weekly Bible study that only had a dozen or more women in there, with babies screaming and everything else that women always have to take care of, there was more life there, more expectation than there is in some of the largest churches. You understand what I'm saying? And you stayed in faith. As a result, many have more faith in failure than they do have hope in victorious living. The God of miracles seems foreign to many sitting on today's church pews. Attending some churches in today's negative atmosphere is to be subjected to an hour of listless worship spawned by lifeless choral dirges and unconvincing sermons. Where is the expectation that David seemed to have when he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. <clears throat> Where is the anticipation that seems to come through his words of Psalm 104 where it's saying, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. I wonder, could a good trip to church evoke such anticipation now? Our level of expectation has everything to do with what we receive or do not receive from God. We, should, we are to be encouraged by results. Huh? Nobody's encouraged by drought, famine, and nothing going on. If it's not going on in every area of your life, it's going on in some area of your life if your, your relationship with God is alive. He says, when Peter and John went to the temple to pray, they came upon a crippled man whom they possibly had seen before. He had been in this condition from birth and his daily routine involved having a family or friend carry him to a place called the, the Beautiful Gate just outside the temple proper. There, this pitiful man would beg for money and food. I wonder how many had passed him by on a daily basis and could never help him. 
No wonder no one expected that it, that a difference could be made in his condition. Similarly, the cripple never expected that anybody would help him or, or to obtain a better life. So he's just there religiously being placed there. No expectation. Wondering who, you know, I'll stick my hand out and everybody passes me by anyway. Maybe I won't stick my hand out today. It just didn't matter to him if he got involved in what he was doing or not. There were many things wrong with this man besides his crippled condition. He says, let me list a few. Number one is the beggar's label. Now, we all have to shed the beggar's label because you're born without an inheritance. And I'm not talking about who your parents are and what they have. But you're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That makes you an orphan. You have no inheritance. Got me? You're disinherited. Even if you get temporal things, you don't have eternal things. So you might have a promise for temporal things, but you have no guarantee. Your guarantee comes... So really, if you, I don't care if your parents did have a lot and gave you a lot and all that, and they die, your history, if you're looking for mom and dad to do that. I mean, it's all shaky. You got me? You don't know if, if they're going to keep what they got. Watch to see if they spend it all so they don't squander yours. You understand what I'm saying? It's shaky. Let's, let's, let's call it what it is. It's shaky. And so when you're, when you, have that and understand that that puts you in the beggar's category even though you may not be begging there's something inside of you that knows that it could all evaporate and then what do you do see that's a beggar's mentality and we have to shed that when we come into relationship with god the father and then take on a different identity when we come into contact when we come into covenant with god then we are Adopted, first thing you get the spirit of adoption. You get comfortable calling God Father. I said comfortable. Not Father, just like a title. You get comfortable. You feel it in your heart. You understand that it's real. And that's the spirit. It's a spirit of adoption. You are adopted for real. And you know it on the inside of you. And you know that you can treat God as a loving, heavenly father and expect him to make provision for you. At least you understand that. If you don't understand love or you don't understand anything like that, you can at least expect him to make provision for you. And so when you have that, you get that spirit of adoption and then you understand what it means to be an heir. An heir has a security about them where they're not anxious for anything. The degree of your anxiety betrays the fact that you don't really believe you're an heir. But you can get there. You can get more secure as you begin to allow God to manifest himself in your life. You can get more secure about being an heir and more secure about having an inheritance in him. More secure about understanding that he'll release it to you at the appointed time if you will use your faith and go to him and ask him 
in the name of Jesus, understanding that Jesus paid for you to have that permission as heirship. You're a joint heir with him, as a matter of fact. So you work with him and you work through him before the Father to receive the things that you need. And so once you understand that that's an ongoing, he didn't just do it one time and he's going to dump you. This is an eternal relationship that he expects you to be able to become more secure in it the more you're involved with him. Not less secure. What are some of the things that make us less secure? Well, we mess up. Cutting up, acting stupid. Behind God's back, think we're talking about him. Like children of Israel did. Murmur, it getting a tense and murmur. You know, like God can't hear through that little cheap tent you threw up. Huh? Murmur against the leadership. You know, Moses and Aaron. Yeah, you know, they don't do things right. Yeah. If I was a pastor, she, she should be doing stuff like this, this, and this. We'd have more people in this ministry. Huh? You understand me? Yes. He hears it all. Yes. Well, he hears it all. And so when you understand how God forgives and how he loves and how he'll forgive you, if you'll admit, confess, you're stupid again. God, I opened my mouth and said something that wasn't right. You understand me? Yes. See, your relationship with him be, should be so important that you don't want to breach that relationship. Huh? You don't want to. You'll do anything to keep that relationship. Because you don't want to be a beggar all of your life. And you don't want to be on the outside of everything looking in. You want to be on the inside of things. You don't want to be uh, somebody who just can't get it together and can't seem to have life under control, so to speak. You know, have the things that you need out of life. And so you want, get, want to get rid of that beggar's label. So <clears throat> this man had a name, he says, but we're not told what it was. He says, and I doubt if many knew it anyhow. He was, however, known throughout as the cripple or that man. Huh? You know that man that sits out there? Yeah, the cripple one. That was his label. Life's labels can often be more difficult to deal with than life's circumstances. Sometimes you can come out of circumstances and can't shake the label. Huh? Amen. You know, they say you can take a, a person out of the country, but you can't take the country out of it. You know, that kind of thing. Or you take somebody out of the city, but you can't take the city out of it. Right? That kind of thing. He says it, it could be that you have dealt with a label all your life. He says, I'm amazed at how easily we get them. You know why we label people? Everybody does this. It's easier for us to deal with people by putting them in predictable compartments. It's easier. We don't have to let them grow. We don't have to let them whatever. And we don't have to grow ourselves. See, as long as we're willing to label people so easily, we don't grow either. So we putting each other in a box helps nobody. Amen. You may feel more secure and more powerful because you judge them and put them away. But it diminishes your effectiveness in life as well. Because you're the one with the judgment on you. So now you've got to live your life judging everything and everybody. And so no new experiences will ever come to you either because you're so comfortable compartmentalizing people. You see? 
And so nobody benefits from that. That's why God says to love. Don't judge, love. Don't put people in a box, love. Let everybody out of their comfortable places you slotted them in and love. Love love believes all things. Believes the total best. Tony, I believe if God got on you real good, it wouldn't, without a doubt, you'd go out and win ten souls a day every day. Without fail. I sincerely believe that. You know why? He's no respecter of persons. That's something all of us want to do deep down. We want to be more effective for God. So I wouldn't limit her based on what I think I know about her soul winning ability. I don't know nothing about that. And I don't know nothing about what God, what she knows between her and God that's in her heart to do. You understand what I'm saying? So it's best to take the lids off everybody, (laughs) you know, and allow them the freedom to come out of a pigeonhole and a label and to be what God called them to be. So he says that they can be difficult to deal with. He says, um, <clears throat> says he's very amazed at the damage that labels can do. So maybe you acquired your first label in grade school when you received your first report card. It couldn't be missed. There it was emblazoned with black letter F. We used to get red ones. <laughs> that little paper card felt as if it weighed two tons as you carried it home to your mom or dad. As you grew older, life's labels became more complex. Huh? Now it's divorce, bankruptcy, moral failure, alcoholism, or false accusation. And no one chooses to believe your side of the story. Bottom line, it's a label wrapped around your life that people can see and read long before they get a chance to know the real you. Like the man at the gate, you have a name, but no one knows it. Furthermore, they choose not to learn it. Just easier to refer to you as the cripple. Let me tell you something about labels. A label is only someone's opinion, and your heavenly Father feels much differently about you than those who have pinned life's labels to your lapel. In the Bible, the name Jacob meant worm. It also meant trickster, supplanter, thief. But God called him a prince when he changed his name to Israel. Gideon was a coward hiding from the enemy, but God called him a mighty man of valor. The name Peter meant small stone, but Jesus called him rock. Saul was a murderer chasing down Christians to throw him to jail, but Jesus changed his life and his name. He became Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament. He says, I shouldn't confess this here, but I will. As a kid, I was always curious about labels attached to pillows. It came with a clear warning. Do not remove, most of them say, under penalty of law. He said, maybe my attitude was wrong, but I thought, this is my pillow on my bed. I put my head on it, sleep on it, I dream on it. So one day I decided I would see what happened if I pulled it off. Guess what happened? Absolutely nothing. Amen. But when we shed labels, carnal labels, something should happen to us. Amen. You should get more confident about your spiritual self, about your spiritual identity. You shed one to pick up the other one. You know, you've got to call yourself something different than what you've called yourself all your life when you come into the knowledge of God. You can call yourself a friend of God. You can call yourself by your name but have a different attitude about how you refer to yourself. 
You understand what I'm saying? That name change is important to us to understand our, our identity in Christ. Our identity is spiritual people on this earth. As born again spiritual people who carry the power of God in us and upon us. Amen. Should feel different. <clears throat> he says so many, uh, so many uh, limits are brought to us through that. See, Oh, he's about to ripping off the label. He says you are not someone's opinion. You are who the righteous and caring God says you are. Man, rise up in the name he has given you and take hold of your promising future. The beggar's lameness. Common thought infers that the man at the beautiful gate had twisted or deformed limbs. Who really knows? He could just as have easily had perfectly formed ankles and feet with no strength or muscles, muscles, muscular stamina that allowed them to function. Scripture doesn't does go into a moment of healing. It says his feet and ankle bones receive strength. This could imply the, poss- the possibility of acceptable form without obvious function. So that's religion. We can all look good, but do we? You understand what I'm saying? Do you have a relationship with God? We can all talk jargon, but do you really know the Lord? You're just saying that, you know, to cover up a weakness. He says, does this describe you? You look good, but you're lame. You have the form, but you're weak. You're going through the motions, but your motions aren't getting you anywhere. You have lame intentions and lame living, lame excuses and lame results, nothing to stand on, no foundation to support you. So many limits brought on by so much lameness. You've dragged yourself from one gate to the next looking for the next handout when the real answer lies in a heaven-sent hand up. The beggar's limits. How much can a lame man do when the limits of crippled existence have been placed on him? Life's limits are chains that bind one's soul to frustration and hopelessness. The man at the beautiful gate was constrained and contained. He could travel only so far and reach only so high. His future was as bleak as his past. According to Levitical law, he wasn't even permitted to go inside the temple, so he was on the outside looking in. Help would have to come to him in some other form. Sometimes it's a blessing to be outside of some religious circles. I found that out. I can tell you, without almost without exception, people that I looked up to and thought I needed to be a part of what they were doing, all of them fell some kind of way over the years that I've known them. I thank God I wasn't associated closely with people sometimes you need to thank god for kicking you out of certain places and thank him for getting people to reject you because they don't come up to see what happens is insecure people always want to put other people down because they remind them of who they really are you got me when they consider them you lower than them it reminds them of who they really are and so they want to avoid you and attach themselves to somebody that they think has it going on, whether they have it going on or not. People who really have it going on, insecure people will never lock into them anyway. Huh? Because they don't have anything to lock into with. You know, I, I've known tons of ministers that would, you know, hang around Dr. Cirillo, be on his podium preaching him, but very few carry that anointing. You know why? They're trying to lock into it some other illegitimate way rather than getting it legitimately. 
That's why anointings go unused, unclaimed, undiscovered, and not tapped into. Because people look at them and want them, but they're not willing to pay the price or even humble themselves and ask the person. You know, can you teach me some of the things that God's taught you? You know, what would it take for me to be able to have the kind of results in my ministry that you have in yours? You know, they want to come up, you know, some, hey, brother, how you doing? What we going to do today? You won't get it like that. Pride will never, pride will never let you lock in to what God has. You'll get shocked. <laughs> and amazed <laughs> at how quickly you fall. So he would always get just as close as possibly sitting at the gate, but never inside because of his limits. In some respects, he found himself on a leash mentally, spiritually, and in many regards, physically. The length of his leash put him in sight and hearing distance of his deliverance. But this resulted in limited faith. Resuscitated expectation. And that's what you need to understand. That God can resuscitate dormant expectation for things that he's promised you. And thank God for that. Amen. Faith never expires. Amen. Your covenant for a promise never expires. God will. God says, you know, he says, I can't deny myself. He said, I can't tell you. That I didn't tell you you could have that. So as soon as you start believing again, he starts bringing it towards you. Huh? He just does. Sometimes we don't like the form it's in. Huh? <laughs> we just, we say, huh? How is he looking like now? <laughs> well, yeah. You were younger and thinner and prettier when I left you, too. Huh? It's true. We go watch. You got to stay in the spirit when these things are going on. Because you'll miss what God's doing sometimes. Sometimes he's trying to encourage you that he heard your prayer and he wants you to continue to pray for it. And then we get all carnal and stuff. Huh? That brother didn't even give me no money for my birthday. Well, God answers your prayer. You ask that you can see him. He lets you see him. And you see ain't nothing going on over there either. What you so hot to see him for? Huh? Just a thought. And my problem, I was married too long. You know, people, when you've been married 30 years, it's like, you want to see who? <laughs> no. Oh, it's an old joke. Stop it. Stop it. Wake up. I wouldn't have to do this. But you understand what I'm saying. You can, you can miss that God is trying to say, you know what, I can't deny myself. I did tell you to pray for that. And I'm encouraging your prayer. Stay in the spirit and it'll stay encouraged. You get over in the natural and you ain't going to like what you see sometimes. You know what I'm period. Huh? Let's bring it on down where we live. Huh? What's the truth? <laughs> Sometimes I wish I had my husband around to push around a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I'm not saying, oh, we had this wonderful romance. No, we were two married people, normal human beings in a covenant of marriage living together. 
Uh-huh. Right. So let's get real, folks. You won't, if you stay real and stay in the spirit, you won't miss God. That's all I'm trying to tell you. You will not miss God. Resuscitated expectation. After years of disappointed hopes, he encountered two anointed preachers, fresh from a Pentecostal experience in the upper room. Coming in contact with their inspired faith, something changed within them. That's why the Bible says don't forsake assembling yourself. And on a regular basis, you know, and for spiritual purposes. Now, you know, you all know we can get around saints and start snickering and sneering and snorkeling and you know what I'm saying. Nonsense. But we're talking about assembling together for the purpose of spiritual edification. So the scriptures record in Acts 3, 1 through 8, the entire story. But notice these particular words in verse 5. And he, the lame man, gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. It's a good thing his expector was kind of free to expect something. He looked with expectation at them. Expectation had been dead in him for a long time, but the moment he came in contact with inspired faith emanating from others, it blazed to life again. This is how people get healed in healing meetings. That corporate flow of faith and expectation of good is something that causes their faith to rise up. And if they'll stay focused and stay in faith and obey instruction, they'll get what they came for. You see what I'm saying? They'll get it. They'll get it. He says here, expectation had been dead in him. It blazed to life again. Has your faith been dormant for so long that now your expectations are completely dead? It does not matter how dead your expector is. He says, allow me to stir up your faith by reminding you that you have access to the awesome power of a providing God who will by far exceed anything you can expect from any other source. Any other source. Any other source. God is not going to let anybody and anything outdo him in your life. So we might as well quit expecting man to prove anything to us and confirm God's word to us. Let God confirm his own word. He's willing to bring it to us any time. But we're looking over here for something, looking over there for something, trying to get encouraged here, trying to get encouraged there. It's not going to happen. He's not. He's jealous for that top spot in your life. He's not going to let you live on anybody else's encouragement but your own. Coming directly from him. He wants to be your encourager. He says, Paul made it plain in Ephesians 3.20, that Jehovah God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, whatever that all is, all you ask or think, huh? according to the power of your expectation. Huh? Be it unto you according to your faith. The power working within you is spirit inspired and expectant faith that believes for all things at all times. This prayer could be answered at any time. God could heal you at any time. God could save a family member at any time. God can do whatever he wants to do at any time. At any time. He says, <clears throat> he says you can express it today and activate the start of your Amos 9.13 season. Yeah. 
Some time ago, I was reminded of the power of expectation when a young man approached me in a conference where I was speaking. His story took me back 20 years. So, you know, sometimes God will verify things to you. You give him time to verify things to you. You give him time to verify what he's doing. Amen. Don't be so anxious and looking for something in the natural all the time. And he says, a young mother introduced to me by my secretary as Mrs. Evans walked into my office. She informed me of her newborn and premature son was near death in the infant ICU. She held in her hands a small tape recorder and asked to record a prayer as I prayed for her child's healings. Healing. Few times had I witnessed such desperate faith. I prayed for the baby and the prayer, along with its unction, was captured on the cassette. By special permission of the doctors, she placed the recorded prayer within the incubation crib near the child. I'm sure physicians thought they were simply pacifying a frantic mother with little hope. You know, it's interesting, though. People in medical people, you know, they get real accommodating when you want to pray. I mean, that's you seldom find any who are, are, are hardened enough to not encourage you to talk to people i mean whatever you can do to help because we're desperate now and so you have that corporate agreement sometimes with people whether you know it or not working for you he said remarkably the desperate and expectant faith of this young mother reached god and immediately the child began to respond i had heard little after the initial report but i was standing in the lobby of a convention center in Greensboro, North Carolina, where I was speaking that night, a young United States Marine approached me and said, my name is Tyler Evans, and I've waited 20 years to meet you. Tyler went on to relate the story of his healing that began when his mother touched an exceeding abundant God who honored her faith. That night, I introduced Tyler to a congregation appreciative of his service to our nation as a Marine. They gave him a standing ovation, but beyond that, they stood to praise the God who responds to expectant faith. Expect it. Expectant faith by hearing and answering prayer. Tyler's story simply reminds me that this is a powerful season of the miraculous, and God will indeed exceed all we expect. Amen. He will exceed all we expect. Amen. Let me let me just make one comment about people who feel that they're hurting somebody by putting the expector away. Because this is something that we we do sometimes. You know, you quit expecting God to do good things for you because you're mad because he didn't do the last because it. Huh? You're mad because the last, really, you screwed up the last thing, but you don't want to repent and take the responsibility. You know, you're not taking blame. Blame is different than responsibility. Jesus took the blame. But you've got to take responsibility. God, you know what I did. I, I did mess that up. And, I, you know, people tried to tell me not to do what I did and not to go that route and to keep believing, keep expecting, and I ignored them. Amen. And I'm angry with them for trying to get me out of the bad mood. See, this is a, a, um, a stronghold that we must break. If we're to live free in God and we're, this is going to be real to us, we've got to break this stronghold of I'm merely a helpless victim and these people are picking on me. I can't help it because I don't have Pastor Shirley's faith or Pastor Barb's whatever she's got. We don't know what to call that. Uh, 
<laughs> you know what I mean. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Huh? We want to call it anything but faith. See, if we called it faith, then we'd have to repent. Huh? See, we call it know-it-all, arrogance, pride, trying to make people feel bad, lording it all over everybody. You know, you know what I'm saying. The devil tell you all kind of lies about people. Just don't believe them. Just don't try to go cash them. Don't go take them to the bank somewhere and try to cash them. Huh? We have to fight that. Huh? You have to walk in love and understand that when God, the Bible says, if the righteous slap me upside my head 15 times a day, it's a kindness. Huh? The fact that a righteous person even wants to be bothered with me today. It's a sign of God's kindness to me. You understand what I'm saying? Let's put things in the right perspective. Amen. Because we all have something to offer. and We all have something to learn. And so I believe that if we get out of this immature mindset of being angry at whoever it is and withholding, I'm going to keep my faith in my pocket so I don't show it to God. He didn't do anything for me and he's not going to. You keep it in your pocket all you want to. Huh? You get like uh, <laughs> Aubrey used to say, well, he watched, we watched Jeopardy when we ate dinner. Turn the TV off long enough to say grace and then flip it back on, you know. But anyway, he liked watching this Jeopardy. And so they would get a free spin and they would say, uh, I'm going to hold on to it. He said, yeah, that's right. Take it home with you. It's going to do you a lot of good in your house. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Hold on to your faith and see how mad God gets at you. But you're going to have to release it at some point if you want this to work for you. Amen. So get your expector out and leave it out. Don't put it away. Amen. Praise God. All right. We'll do our quiz. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.